What's up, good people? Welcome to another edition of Cap. I'm one of your hosts. I'm JD. So let's do something. Let's cultivate. I'm Erica Jackson. Let's accumulate. I'm Shamel Jackson. Let's prosper. Hey. Right, so, <laughs> <laughs> okay. So the buzz, the buzz. It's been a lot going on this past week in America. Period. Yeah. But one of the things that happened last Sunday um, was the women's national championship shout out to the lsu tigers uh that won the championship now i've i haven't watched a women's basketball game like that since i coached when i was at kirby high school back in 2012 through 2014 season which i was my first time coaching women girls basketball um the game was phenomenal two outstanding players angel reese for lsu and caitlin clark for iowa but there was a bit of discrepancy with how <laughs> America viewed the celebration of these two young athletes. Um, what, what are you all's take on that? Hmm. It's <laughs> <laughs> Both of us are kind of like speechless. Um, I think that it's like really interesting. I even um, understand that Jill Biden even invited both teams to the White House. Mm -hmm. And to my understanding, not that I watch sports all the time, but I've never known of you to invite the winning team and the losing team. So it that was kind of interesting to me. So it was like, had it been LSU who lost, would you still have invited both teams? So right. it, it just seems like it was a lot of, um, I hate to throw the racism card, but it seems like it was mm -hmm. in there. Yeah, and um, I was reading Angel, was it Angel Reese? She said, well, whatever, she's going to do whatever's best for the team. If they want to go, then she'll agree to go. But, yeah, I'm with you. How would you, if the tables had been turned, what would have happened? So just keep it. As you as it been invite the winning team. Well, you know it. It's definitely you can see where that played a part because just look at the fact that the majority of LSU team was black women. Uh, There's a few white girls under the head coach is a white lady, and the majority of Iowa's team was white white women. And of course, Caitlin Clark, she's an amazing player. You know, uh, for Iowa. Um, and so is Angel Reese and a few other young ladies on the LSU squad, uh, along with a young lady from Memphis um, who played for LSU. But for the vice, for the president's wife to suggest let's invite both teams, one, it was political because Iowa right. is a hotbed for when it comes times around elections. So we knew that was one thing. And two, it was because of the fact that a team that looks like her and the heartland of America were beat by some young black ladies from down in Louisiana. And so when people always say, you know, once again, that everything ain't about race, well, not everything, but most things are in this country. Even the way that they looked at both young ladies, like, they would do the same things like putting up the hand or whatever, mm -hmm. but it's look it was looked at in two different ways. Right. You know, Caitlin is showing class, but Angel is being ghetto. That's yeah. And see, trash talking for those of us who for those of anyone who ever plays sports, that's a part of it. Uh, you know, and, right. and mm -hmm. you know, it's it's a part of it. It's the competitiveness and of course, Angel did it in her own way, and then she was on the winning side. So mm -hmm. you had a lot of people uh, decide to get on social media and uh, air their displeasure to it, saying that she was not being a classy winner and all of that. But, you know, it it just shows the biasness and right. that's going on. And um, <clears throat> it was unfortunate, but it was the most watched thus far female basketball college basketball game ever and it's only growing the sport um so i look at it as like back when i was a young boy growing up in the 80s when magic and bird kind of helped bring the nba back to its form 
Uh, this is a possibility with with those, you know, with with Caitlin for Iowa, and then Angel Reese and some of the other players, um, you know, that play for some of the other schools. But once again, it's it's hypocrisy, biasness, and um, it it was it was competitive sport. Those those young young women are athletes, so that's a part of the game. I was happy to see. I didn't watch the game, but I I was reading about it after it, they they won to see that somebody was from Memphis there, and then from my alma mater, Central Jasmine. High School. <laughs> so yes. that was exciting to see. Yeah. Jasmine Carter. Um, yeah, I actually know went to church with her father too, and that made me really really excited to see. Yeah. yeah. And so pivoting from that, the next buzz was happening in Tennessee up in Nashville. It's like a picture out of a civil rights movie going on <laughs> up the street in Nashville. We had three Democratic representatives, Justin Pearson that represents Memphis, Justin Jones that represents Nashville, and Gloria Johnson that represents Knoxville were expelled by the Republican Congress for standing up against gun violence along with the crowd of people who were protesting it. Um, what are your thoughts about that? Ooh, I, it seems how all of them weren't expelled. That's that's one thing. And then also the reason why they were expelled, that's a whole, it's, it's two different issues going on. Right. That they were let go and then, well, some of them, two out of the three, and then, um, the only, and then what they were let go for. Right. So, um, you know, just reading about the gun laws and things is what's going on. Something definitely needs to be done, um, you know, and there's different ways to do it. But, you know, I just think and I've seen people say they're going to try to get them to get their seat back. So, you know, it's a lot going on. It's made. It's not just it's everybody's hearing about it. everybody's is being re uh, talked about. So it's a big thing. Um, and it's, so I'm looking forward to seeing what's going to happen on both ends. Um, once everybody's, you know, see what's going on and um, how they take it. Yes, uh, I thought this is very interesting. I want to make sure that I read this verbatim. Um, following the failed vote, Johnson was asked by reporters if she thought there was a reason she'd had a different outcome. I'll answer your question, she said. It might have to do and we just got through talking about this. She said it might have to do with the color of our skin. Mm -hmm. And that came from Gloria Johnson. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was she's the white lady. Both of the brothers, the name Justin, both are a black man. And it was obvious. Um, once again, when people say everything is not about race, well, most things are. And the reason why it, it keeps happening in my personal opinion, God is exposing what has never been healed or fixed from he this country. So. And so when people, whether it's white people that say it, and a few black folks that love to say that, but it wouldn't keep exposing itself. He wouldn't keep exposing it, I should say. And it's right in front of us. And now we got to pick up the mantle because our grandparents did uh, back in the 50s, 60s when the civil rights era was going on, now is our time, which I never would have thought coming out of high school when I came out in the mid-90s that we would be going through this whole situation in this country. But since it never was addressed, handled properly, um, and people thought just because now as black people some of us can get the bag and we had a black president for a moment, which when he was in office – a lot of stuff was going on because mm -hmm. people had their hatred of the fact that, oh, it seems like they're trying to be on the same platform as us. That's not all white people, but it's a lot that think that way. Mm -hmm. right. Then you have some black people who feel like they can get their getting heaven card by making excuses and acting like it doesn't exist. And we just got to be real. If you really love your children or your potential grandchildren one day, what type of world are you going to lead them? Are, are you going to be in right. for this fight to get equality, or are you going to sit back and say, well, it's really not that bad. I can't get with that because they keep showing its face. And just what happened this past week in Tennessee up up in uh, Nashville, that was obvious. And, you know, three 
three Democratic uh, representatives stood up for the gun, gun against gun violence, but only two got expelled. It happened to be the two black guys. So it just shows you the mindset of conservatism that's under the disguise of really racism and bigotry. Right. Uh, and and so something has to be done. Um, it's not going to get better if we keep on shielding it under the rug. It's not. It's definitely not. Uh, it's racism and bully has been racism and bigotry has been a bully in the United States ever since our ancestors first landed on the shores, ever since they took things from the indigenous people, the Indians. And like I always say, the only way you get a bully up off you is you got to smack the bully in his mouth. I'm not about violence, but what I do understand is you have to protect yourself. Sometimes marching and, and pleading, folks, they really don't care about that. You either hit them in their pocket, which we got to be, you know, Discipline for that, or you gotta hit somebody back in their mouth to get a bully up off you. But you know that's that's to be determined. But what's going on now is just it's shameful, and it's 2023, and it's still happening. So when someone says it's not all about race, man, they can go kick rocks. Um, there's a clip I shared on my social media from a movie called Killing Them Softly with Brad Pitt, and he was at a bar, and um. You know, the guy was, President Obama was speaking on the television and he was saying this is one nation under God and, you know, all of that stuff that, that presidents say. Um, and then the guy mentioned something about Thomas Jefferson and he basically said, no, Jefferson was a hypocrite. Uh, he wrote that because he didn't want to pay taxes to the, to the British, had the folks go out there and fight. But he had children by a slave girl, which... Let's just be real. They make it seem like it was a love affair. She was his property. So whether she wanted to do anything or not, what could she do? So he was basically a hypocrite. And he was just saying America is, unfortunately, it's not so much like it's a country, but it's a business. And um, that clip itself just speaks volumes. So if you get a chance to see the movie Killing Them Softly, it, it says a lot. That clip was a powerful clip. Wow, a lot of great information um, with this buzz. Um, before I go to the next topic, just everyone, please remember who are viewing. As you watch, please be sure to click subscribe on that button, share, comment. We always want to hear from you. Listen, we are so excited about this podcast today uh, a few weeks ago. Not too long ago, we were able to have our first guest, Tamika Chambers-Williams, and that was absolutely amazing. Today, we have another guest um, that I'm happy to introduce. Uh, I have been, this is my friend, my brother since 2010, um, doing a great work in the city of Memphis with the youth and the arts and the schools. We're happy to welcome Mr. Ladell Beeman today. <laughs> well, I'm happy to be a part of this. I've been I've been holding this in. I'm uh, proud to be in this edifice. <laughs> just going down, got Michael Jackson on the back. It's just I mean, it's just real good, good to uh, be, be here. So uh, I'm honored. Glad Cap to have you. Thank you. Cap. Glad to have you. Glad to have you. Um, Ladell, we love for you to tell us a little bit about your platform and what you do. First of all. Well, um, first, uh, again, thank you guys for having me here. And uh, I, I, I just happen to be the, uh, the founder and CEO of uh, Heal the Hood Foundation of Memphis. And I always give a disclaimer, <clears throat> wherever we are is uh, uh, hood, when we say heal the hood, that's a suffix at the end of words like brotherhood, fatherhood, motherhood, sisterhood, priesthood. Mm -hmm. Everybody has a hood, even white hood. <clears throat> so uh, it's just some uh, different things that we think about uh, when we take our artistic approach uh, to be able to, uh, to use the arts to bring healing in our communities because everybody's affected by the arts. You know, even the fashion, the way that we dress, the way that we walk, we talk, uh, different things that we, uh, that we really don't think about, but uh, arts affects our lives. Even when we listen to music, uh, it's, a, it's a huge part. You know, I always tell kids that, uh, you know, what's the soundtrack of, of your life? 
And so if kids are going around here listening to all this crazy music mm -hmm. and then uh, they're demonstrating certain behaviors, you have to kind of look at what your um, what your soundtrack is to your life. And so, you know, I always mm -hmm. think about stuff like that. You know, that's the reason why when people listen to gospel music, you know, they're um, they're encouraged and they're inspired. And something that I, that, that I said um, that really, really hit me is that when you think about, you know, growing up in the church, you would hear those uh, quartet songs. And it would be crazy, especially if you were growing up in a Baptist church, because you were trying to figure out what is going on with these quartet songs. <laughs> but it was the same chords that were used in blues music. Mm -hmm. When you hear the quartet songs, you were like, man, what? <laughs> and so and so you would you know people would identify with uh, with uh, their, uh, their chord structure so i always tell kids that you know we respond you know music is a stimuli we respond to mm -hmm. it uh in a certain way so anybody who says that music doesn't affect me you think about a horror movie um if you take out the strings and the instruments and all of that uh and you just leave it blank you don't have the elements of that horror in there, that certain feeling. And yeah. so uh, arts is all around us, affecting us in different ways. And so uh, we just use it as an element to be able to reach kids and bring healing to the communities. That's good. I like how you broke down hood, because I heard about Heal the Hood, but I didn't, the way you broke that down, that's totally different what I was thinking. Oh. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, well, we all, all have a hood. Yes, yeah. indeed. That is total. That is true indeed. I want to ask you what inspired you to create the Wake Up Tour Evolution comic book because a black comic book is is a dope. That's a, that's a dope construct. And I grew up other than into sports. Of course, I used to when I was younger was into comic books, and then I pivoted to sports, and that was on from there. But I heard about that, so elaborate on that for me. Well, you, you know what? I didn't have, uh, unfortunately, I didn't have an opportunity to actually see, uh, to read a Black Panther comic book uh, when I was coming up. I didn't, I didn't really, until, you know, he was introducing Marvel, I really yeah. did. I missed it because all I saw, you know, coming up was uh, Spider-Man, Superman, yeah. Batman. And uh, so when, so uh, one day I was just um, looking at one of my partners that uh, went to high school with me, uh, Martheus Wade, he was always drawing comic books in high school. And, uh, and just comic strips, and he was just an amazing, he was a genius. He was a child prodigy when he was doing it. And I and I was thinking, I said, it would be so cool once I graduated. I was just thinking, and I, I always kept in my mind about it would be so cool if we had some characters that actually we could identify with. Yeah. And, uh, and working with a lot of kids, I kept seeing that the main thing that they were relating to was rappers. You know, yeah. and I uh, want to be a basketball player, want to be a football player. You know, that that was a top category with what a lot of young people were uh, doing. And I found out, I said, wait a minute, it's only 400 and so many positions in the NBA. And you got millions of people all around the world wanting to play basketball that are going to fall short of that. And same thing, you know, with uh, with football and any, any other sport or the rap game. And I, and I saw how it was working. And so I said, what if we had characters that uh, instill uh, instill morals inside of kids' lives, yeah. and we can actually follow this journey. And we base those characters in Memphis. And uh, the cool side about it is that I always told people that Spider Man, you know, he puts his mask on. He's a white kid from Queens, puts his mask on, gets these powers, and he's climbing outside of a, a, a window on a building. And I said, but what would happen if a black man put a mask on and climb out a window? He'd go to jail. He wouldn't be a hero. You know, it's over. <laughs> so, and so now when they're introducing um, the Spider-Man now, uh, they have a black uh, Hispanic Spider-Man, uh, Miles Morales. Uh, and still, he's not a black Spider-Man, but he's a he's a hybrid, you know. And so he's a person of color. Yeah, that's person of color. Yeah. So so we just felt like, hey, let's let's do something cool. With having a, a team that's led by a real African American that has the struggles, that's gone through the same uh, culture issues or whatever, and uh, is here from Memphis, what would that look like? Bat uh, Gotham has Batman, Metropolis, Superman. Why not Memphis? You know, have its own superhero. Oh yeah, oh, and that's what yeah, brought that's Robert cool. Townsend to uh, Memphis. You know, because of that comic book. Wow, that's what's that's up. Cool. That's dope. Yeah, it is. That's dope. Uh, so you mentioned um, Robert Townsend, a celebrity. So I noticed you brought up Master P, Genuine, um, and John P. Keys. A lot of different celebrities you have brought to the city. So what is the when you're thinking about who you want to bring? What do you keep? What do you keep in mind when you want to invite people to your different events? I think about their message. You know, um, what where it is that because when I when I met Master P. As a matter of fact, and it was so weird 
because and I don't think I've ever said this on anybody's show, but I was going to say this here. When I <laughs> when Master P, I never sought him out because I had in my life it was a point point that I did not listen to any secular music. And so I saw Master P on Entertainment Tonight, but that was as far as I, I really, I, mm -hmm. information I knew about him. And we were doing the wake-up tours, and um, all of a sudden, the uh, I got a call, and the guy said, well, Master P wants to wants to meet you. And we were about to do our first celebrity basketball game, and I said, yeah. Master P. And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> and so, and so uh, we connected, and um, you know, eight years of just doing celebrity basketball games together, I uh, saw his message and how he really wanted to, to transform his life mm -hmm. to do something different. Like the Master P you see now was not the Master P that I first met. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we had an opportunity to actually introduce Christ to him, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and so that was a huge pivotal point uh, for me. So we always kind of concentrate on what is the person's message? You know, who, who are they really, you know, outside of that? You know, okay. uh, outside of the entertainment. What they bring, yeah. Okay. Mm. Wow. That's cool. What the message they're bringing. Okay. Master P, make them say, I listened to him when I was in college at Tennessee State. So, you know, I, I, yeah, that was in my play rotation back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> my first question is like really important to me because my first involvement with Heal the Hood in 2010 was with the Live the Dream Summit. Oh, yeah. So I would love to hear about how that got started, especially with the celebrities. You just finished mentioning uh, Master P and with Demetri McKinney. That was a really yeah. good one. So I would love to hear about <laughs> how Live the Dream got started. Because you you volunteered the one with Yo-Yo and Sammy, too. I did. So, so, this, so, this, so this is crazy. We <laughs> had, um, you know, Living the Dream, uh, Dr. Dr. King was assassinated in Memphis um, April the 4th, was it 1968? Mm -hmm. And um, so I was at this, I was at a summit, and this guy named Reverend Eugene um, Rivers, I'll never forget it. Eugene Rivers had did all this amazing stuff in Baltimore, and for five years, he was able to put together a, a program, a formula that stopped all youth murders for five years in Baltimore, Maryland. And Baltimore used to be one of, like, the murder capitals mm -hmm. of the world. Yeah. And he was able to shut it down for five years with this thing called the Ten Point Coalition. And he said something that day when he was speaking at a doctor, uh, one of Dr. King's memorials. He said, you guys in Memphis, he said, I'm going to tell you what you're going to do. He said, y'all going to hear a good song. You're going to hear, hear a lot of great singing. You're going to hear a good speech. You're going to uh, go home. You're going to eat some fried chicken. And then you're going to go home and kill somebody the next day. Right after this. Mm. And I thought about it. I was like, man. Wow. Because he was telling the truth. Because yeah. that, you know, we, we keep seeing this thing happening in Memphis. And I said, you know what? I said, it's good to dream. But it's time for us to wake up and live the dream. Right. And so what we did was, you know, we started creating platforms because of one of the uh, first platforms we had, Master P was on there. But the second one that we had when we were, um, you know, getting getting kids in the community involved and we were using music as the um, as a platform to be able to bring people in, we ended up having Vivica Fox. And it was crazy because I'm like, I'll stand, I'm hosting next to Vivica Fox. And I'm like, you the same lady from Independence Day. And so we, <laughs> and so we on, on the stage and we bringing the kids up. And I saw how the kids were reacting when Vivica Fox was encouraging them. We did that at East High School. And I'm like, wait a minute. And Vivica Fox ended up grabbing one of her friends, which uh, that day, Tiny, um, T.I.'s wife was in the audience. I'm like, what you doing here, Tiny? And so I'm looking at all of this stuff happening, and I'm seeing how the kids are responding to celebrities right. actually, you know, encouraging them to live their dreams. And so from there, it birthed into us doing classes where Yo-Yo and Sammy ended up coming, and Yo-Yo was doing this thing about literacy, and she was rapping and using her words uh, to create just a, just a different um, side of uh, educating kids by using music. And so Demetri McKenna, you know, just everybody. And you, that, that day when uh, Clint was on there, we did the whole production and shot the gun, the prop gun, Powerful. everybody. <laughs> it, it was crazy. But Demetri McKinney, for her to be able to, even that day, to encourage those who were on the stage. And so that's what means a lot to us when you can kind of have classes taught by celebrities, be neck and neck with them, and actually birth what's on the inside of you for you to be able to live your dreams. And I think that's what contributes to getting Memphis in a better place, encouraging people to be the, their authentic self and live their dreams too. So living a dream birthed out of that. And uh, I never said that before on anybody's show because that's where it came from. Instead of us just dreaming, let's dream, it's cool, but let's live those dreams. Yeah, that's good. That's, that's, man, that's definitely... Yeah. Uh, 
And and Demetra McKinney inspires me too. <laughs> uh, yeah, she's. Uh, I think she's gorgeous, man. I, that's one of the reasons I used to watch House of Pain. She's one of my. Uh, you know, um, but <laughs> what I wanted to ask you was, what has been your biggest challenge uh, with Hilda Hood Foundation and Memphis Shelby County School System? I'm a former educator. Uh, Shamel has been an educator in the school system. Erica has worked. Uh, different programs outside with the school system. So we know living here in um, Memphis how things can, mm -hmm. the, the different discrepancies within the school system. But how, what's been some of your biggest challenges? You know what? Brother Jerry, I like you. Okay, that's a good question. <laughs> a good question. Because, because I know we probably crossed paths at Kirby too because of, yeah. Because uh, we were mentoring a little bit. We had the twins over there in ICE. We would come over there and uh, mentor at Kirby. And uh, the strange thing for me, you know, throughout all, all our entire dealings with, because we started Legacy uh, Memphis City Schools when we first started touring in the schools in 2005. Uh, but as we kept uh, moving through the schools, it was like the politics you know, that actually yeah. takes place mm -hmm. uh, inside the school has been the hardest thing for us to, um, to overcome. Uh, because it's it's a lot of that, you know, um, we had, I'm not going to mention the program, but um, we were up under a certain program. And I told God, I said, if you, this last year, because we were really dependent on some of the contract work that we were doing, I said, God, if you get me out of this program and sustain us, I'll never go back under this program again. We'll go in under our own entity because they wanted us to just get, and I, I understand data is important. And so we were, we had a model that we were going to schools. And the next thing you know, we, I'll never forget, we were at this particular high school and we had 200 gang members in the library. And the way that we did that was one of the guys, we ended up winning him over. And he was like, uh, he said, well, look, if you, if you show us something, which we took him on a talk show, uh, something similar to this, uh, we were just talking about what was going on in the city. We put him on TV that same day, and he was like, this is crazy. Y'all honored your word. And I was like, yeah. And so he said, well, I'm going to do something for you guys. I'm going to let you guys be able to talk to my guys. And I can mention his first name, Dante. Had, he was a vice lord, had 200 gang members up under him. Mm. Mm. And so he said, I, he said, I called him down to the library when y'all were doing a mentoring session. And we and keep in mind, SCS only wanted us to have 20 kids to sign their name on the sheet to be able to turn it in. Mm -hmm. That's all they wanted was no. mm -hmm. and, and I was like, no. I said, and so the 200 kids came down there. We told the coach, we told the principal that we were going to have the meeting with them. And so they used that as a setup. Because back then you couldn't have your cell phones, and so and they were suspending people for cell phones, and so the kids were like, they, they were like, uh oh, they come in, and they did, and they just came in there, started trying to grab these kids and use it as an opportunity, and so it would have made us look bad if we didn't do something. So we just started getting the kids' cell phones, putting them in our backpacks or bags, and we kept them until it was over with, and then those kids looked at us like, what just happened? And but they knew we were on their side, yeah. but I saw that, man, they only want to leverage this for what they want to leverage it for. Mm -hmm. And that's the reason why a lot of our kids are being uneducated, mm -hmm. being passed on, that that uh, no child left behind. It killed our kids. Mm -hmm. yeah. It did. And so the politics has been the hardest thing that we've ever had to deal with, you know, in the school system. Yeah. Makes I sense. See that. Yeah, yeah, it does. So just keeping talking about the kids, so you out with all the different programs, the conferences, the tours, which one of the programs has the kids most responded to the bit most based on their feedback? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, the wake up tour is a hot item uh, because we're able to go into the kids schools. It's kind of like a mini concert. <laughs> okay. So you take taking these artists and the actors and the singers and dancers and um, and the motivational speakers. We even have a magician that travels with us. And so when we go into the schools, the kids are going bananas. <laughs> it's almost like uh, we we've been uh, in in we had to get locked inside of uh, in our earlier days. We had to be locked inside of gyms. Uh, when the, the kids are going out because the kids like going crazy. It was like the Beatles when we first started. Mm 
And so um, when we understood that we really had the ability to be able to reach those kids, and uh, it was kind of like a fanfare that was happening, but it was all positive people on those tours, it was able to take us to a whole nother level. And I think that was what attracted Master P to us because K97, they came in and they were like, man, these kids are going crazy, you know, mm -hmm. on these wake up tours, and it's mm -hmm. all positive. And so during that time, was, the Coliseum was still open, and they were doing what's called Summer Jam, and K97 oh, yeah. saw what was mm -hmm. happening. Mm -hmm. And the next thing I know, the artists we had on our, our first uh, original artists that we had on the tour, all of them ended up making it to Summer Jam that year. They had been trying for four years to get on Summer Jam. Mm -hmm. But once they saw the Wake Up Tour, the artists were on the Summer Jam, yeah. and they were back there eating lobster with Jermaine Dupree, ah. and Paul Wall, <laughs> and, you know, Mike oh. Jones, all of them. It was so crazy. Mike Jones. Mike just, yeah. Mike. <laughs> so, it, so it was crazy. But the wake-up tour is what we've had kids turning their guns. Uh, they had guns in the schools. We've had kids. Uh, we had 30 girls at one tour. We did a skit, the mix-up. Because, Eric, you saw that movie. We did the mix-up. And uh, we, when we did it as a skit at the school, we had 33 girls to get up at um, a middle school. And all of them were crying, and they had to go to the counselor because 33 kids had been molested. Mm -hmm. And that tour was a vehicle that, you know, bought forth some of this stuff. So the wake-up wow. tour has been a you know, wow. ticket. That's powerful. It Very is powerful. powerful. I don't know. Do they still do the summer jam, K97? They hadn't done it in a long well, time. When <laughs> you said I'm like, oh, yeah, we, they did You say that. I know uh, that there's been this amazing project that you have been working on creating the Hero Empowerment Center. So you know I need you to tell us about the Hero Empowerment Center and what that includes. Yeah, and I, and I will try to make this short as possible, but it's, it's powerful. <laughs> we we were, uh, when Robert Townsend and Keenan, Robert Townsend ended up bringing Keenan Ivory Wayans to Memphis. And he bought him because, um, you know, what happened with the comic book, and we were getting ready to um, to really start doing the superhero movie here in the city of Memphis, you know, getting ready to uh, launch that project. And Mr. Townsend, you know, he was like, well, hey, I'm going to bring some people in town to kind of see where, the, where the, the city of Memphis is and can it withstand having a superhero project being filmed here in Memphis. And so uh, because a lot of the shows, like on CW, they're shot in Vancouver. And so the superhero shows. And so we were like, well, Okay, let's let's see if we can do this. And so he was like, "Well, can you just get us a plane ticket? You're gonna have to fly us in first class. We don't <laughs> want any fees." Just and then he said, "So it's gonna be three of us." And um, it ended up the third person uh, couldn't come because of her uh, her uh, she had previous engagement. But uh, Ken, the second person was Keenan Ivory Wayans. I'm like, from eleven color, what? Wow. And so <laughs> so they come so th th they come into Memphis. And um, we found out later on that the third person was going to be Oprah Winfrey. And so I was going to have mm. those three people riding around. I mean, because I was taking them around the whole time. So they spent three days here. They didn't want any media. They just wanted to see the, the wherewithal of the city to be able to withstand what we were getting ready to do. Mm -hmm. And they couldn't find exactly what was needed here uh, in Memphis. And so they were like, you guys going to have to build something up. And mm. so we were like, okay. Uh, and so we started looking for land. And long story short, um, the, uh, we, we found a property, uh, and then um, one of the counselors, the commissioners, he was like, well, you guys are going to have to come up with $200,000. I'm like, $200,000? And so, and so God told us, and this, and this is a true story, like, said, ask for it. And I was like, okay, God. And so I went and we asked the guy uh, who was in New York, this company is in New York, that owned the property. And that's another thing, you know, that's another show, uh, Jerry, uh, because there a lot of land in Memphis is not even owned by people mm. in Memphis. And oh, so, yeah. and, and not, and they're owned by Arabs and a lot mm -hmm. of white people. I mean, we, that's another story. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. so we asked the guy and he said, yeah. So he gave us 7.02 acres of land mm. and then paid wow. the closing costs and gave us a check to help start and raise money for it. Wow. So they blessed. Wow. <laughs> yes. Huge blessing. Bless. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, so their property is uh, what's called the Hero Empowerment Center, where we're literally like pulling up Universal Studios from Florida and planning it in here. So instead of like Disney owns all these Marvel characters, we're going to take our own comic book characters and we're building a whole, it's an arts-based micro city. 
where it's going to have 4D immersive theaters inside of it, dinner theaters where Eric is going to be able to do our plays and you know, host, host dinner <laughs> okay. dinner spots in there. We got a, um, a super gym in there. We're, uh, it's so many amenities in there. Uh, NASA is going to be a part. We're going to have an anti-gravity ride in there. Uh, and where kids are being taught how to about space exploration, and there's so much a restaurant, urban garden on top of the building. We had a toy factory in there. We're going to be making toys and comic books, and just wow. really invading workforce development. And there's mm. there's about 18 entities that's going to be inside of the facility already. That includes a whole lot of technology and just crazy stuff, recording studios, you know, just anything that you can think of. This art related, this fun related where you'll even be able to be in that immersive theater like you're inside of a, a like you're inside the movie where you can feel, you know, heat and you can feel water, wow. you know, you can feel the seat dropping when when you're going through certain things mm. and so it's going to be crazy, something uh you that Memphis has never seen before in in all together. That's what the the construction company said. We built a lot of stuff in the world, but we have never built a building that has all of this stuff in it. And it's, called, it's a micro city, which we can govern ourselves by our own rules. So we don't have to worry about what people are saying outside. And we don't have to worry about all that. Mm. <laughs> so it's going to be dope. Where is it going to be located? I think it's really amazing because we, um, Memphis has not seen a lot of things. You know, we had the Celebration Station and we Liberty had Land. Liberty Land yeah. and Al's Golf Haven. And we haven't had any of this in a long time. So this mm -hmm. would be. A long time coming. We, yeah, we bringing it back. It's it's gonna be located in a uh, Hickory Hill. The first the first one. See, we're and hey, we haven't said this uh, on any show, other show. And y'all can all we can all right now. We can all so <laughs> we're doing we're doing the the mothership in Hickory Hill uh, because there hasn't been any development in Hickory Hill in over twenty years. Mm -hmm. Any new developments, and so uh, when that tornado hit in two thousand eight, it's like yeah. And, and so a lot of stuff was blamed on African-Americans, too, when we uh, pop start populating that area. But it's a lot of other um, demographics and things that end up happening within it. But the thing is, is that this this facility is owned by African-Americans. I'm just a dude from South Memphis. You know, <laughs> <laughs> but, and, but we're bringing in other African-Americans, you know, and just people that really are about their business and, uh, and restructuring the dynamics. So it's going to be historic for us. But we also have three other locations that's going to pop up in Memphis. You know, okay. so we have never announced it before, but we have uh, three uh, other miniature locations that's going to be popping Good. up throughout the city. You heard Man, it? That, First at the Cap Podcast. <laughs> that is going to be dope, man. It's good to hear something groundbreaking like that. Mm -hmm. So naturally, since you're on the Cap Podcast, we wanted to ask you, <laughs> what moment in your life caused you to cultivate the vision of Hildehood along with all its branches? Um, 2005, I was watching TV, and uh, we, had, we had already been doing, uh, we, had, we, had, we were one year into the Wake Up Tour, but in 2005, uh, it was a broadcast that came out. It was a newscast. And it said for every day of the new year, there had been a murder. Somebody got killed. For, and then it, it the murders kept on going until the summertime. That that year, it's like somebody got murdered every day. It was every day. It wasn't like every other day. It was like every day. And so uh, the murders stopped. Uh, the, when we had a, br a break in the summer, it stopped at 100 before the chain was broken. It was every day. And when I saw that, I was like, we got to heal the hood. And I said, that's it. And so I started thinking about all the concepts of, you know, what that meant. It was like it just rushed at one time and about having all these abilities to be able to what what makes up the hood. And it wasn't just about, you know, people spraying graffiti on walls. It was about when you have an adult that is suffering from a bad adulthood because they had a bad childhood you know, which created bad motherhood, parenting skills, parenting, all these different things. And what does it look like to develop, you know, um, programs or formats that can start the reprogramming to happen in these lives by creating opportunities. And so that's what really got me into it, um, really understanding that it wasn't that the, the parents were being bad parents. It was the fact that they were uh, parents that just didn't know. They grew up, you know, and it, they didn't come with an instruction manual or they had parents that stuff happened gener generationally. Yeah. Mm -hmm. that they just inherited the attitude and what they're doing, you know. Yeah. So uh, so poverty, you know, is is something that's it's a mindset. 
you know, when when you Most start definitely. getting into these different things, you like it's how you're you're thinking and how you're you're mentally uh, being programmed. I didn't know when I when what what saved my life was a clarinet because somebody literally told me in when I was in sixth grade, Roman Hughes, shout out to Roman Hughes. He said he said, look, if, he said if you don't you know do something different because I'm from South Memphis, uh, four of the guys that was with me they were end up being on America's Most Wanted from my neighborhood. And so I was getting ready. I was going to be in a situation. I could, mm-hmm. could kind of see it, mm-hmm. that it was going to happen. Roman Hughes said, man, you got to do something. And I picked up a clarinet. I saw Benny, Benny, Benny Goodman on PBS playing clarinet. And I said, wait a minute. That's a man playing a, a small instrument, mm-hmm. so it's manly. <laughs> so I don't have to carry this big old tube or something. So, and I knew I was going to have to ride the bus, so I needed something small. And so I saw Benny Goodman. In that moment, I would go from South Memphis to Colonial, which was a creative and performing arts school. And I would go from South Memphis to Overton, where I was introduced to Grammy in the schools. And so Larry Blackman from Cameo, I mean, all Michael mm-hmm. Green, who was uh, the guy who was over the Grammys, I saw them at Overton. And they were teaching us and all this stuff. And so Brandon Porter, Pastor Bishop Brandon Porter said this. He said, once a person's mind has been expanded, it can no longer be reduced to his former state. And so I would come back to South Memphis, but mm-hmm. South Memphis wasn't in, in me no more because I had been exposed and expanded. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so now I can still have, understand the hood. I got this. I, get, I, I understand this right here because somebody was shot right in front of me. I watched this stuff happen. And so, but on the other side, I understand now why these kids are missing stuff because they haven't been expanded yet. Yeah. Right. And so that's what really got heal the hood moving. Wow. No. So, you have done so much with the youth and uh, with the arts, with the city of Memphis as a whole. What would you say you have accumulated over the years? Ooh, a burden. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it's um, you know, over the years, and it's like, and Miss Eric, you just, you just really got me with that question <laughs> because you know when I really think about. Um, I think about something Shabadoo said. He said uh, wow. his his cultural capital is what he has collected. Um, and so I never sought after celebrities and stuff like that because I never I never thought in a million years that I would be working with the people. I never thought about that. I mean, you, it's like we grew up on The Last Dragon. Right yes. here. We, we grew up on that. And so when you grow up on stuff like that, you like that's like millions of lifetimes away from you. And then the next thing you know, here it is. The moment that me and Tomac met, he's like, I, I, I feel your spirit. He said, I'm in the spirits. He said, I sense your spirit. He said, you're a good person. And he said, I, he said let's make something happen. Same with Michael Jai White. We became brothers, and, and we're friends. But all of this weird stuff that, shouldn't, that I feel like in, in my, sec, my, my carnal mind, this shouldn't be happening. Right. But it's happening for some reason. And I'm like, so do I – so – this cultural capital is what I, I think I have uh, uh, accumulated and the respect of being able to call mm-hmm. these people and being able to say, okay, if they're in town, why why can't they come over here to the cap show? You know, or if they're in town, why can't they come over here to my friend shows and be a part? Because you guys are doing something positive versus being exploited on somebody else's things just right. for high ratings because these guys bring something uh, different to the table and you guys have a different heart. So I, th- I would say uh, what I've accumulated is cultural capital, because like that's that. that's yeah, been the too. biggest thing. Yeah, I like that. I, yeah, I like how that sounds. He's like, I'm thinking. Cultural capital. Cultural capital. I mean, it's it. Money is good. We all want the bag, but that far exceeds that because that's something that can outlive you. Yeah. So I like how that sound. Never thought of that, but. Yeah, that's, social yeah. capital. Maybe think about social capital. Okay. All right. Let's talk about prosperity and not just financial, but emotional, mm-hmm. mentally, physical um, prosperity. So, as you are continue to work on Heal the Hood, what what has allowed you to prosper? Just as yourself uh, working on Heal the Hood. You know what? Um, and, and I would talk uh, from from two things. Um, you know, like we it's 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 always a struggle. Um, when it comes down to financial things, I'm, and I'm, I'm gonna tell you why it's a struggle. If we were doing something negative, we could get money. I mean, it, it would be so quick. 
mm-hmm. uh, because you know that's what is expected of us as African Americans to be out here shaking on something, to be on a car on a red light twerking. Because we're, <laughs> you're you're getting uh, awarded for being negative, for being for being a, a buffoon. You know, buffoonery uh, really really sells for, with African Americans. It just works. And you look at the city. We get if if you go up and and rap about, you can give turkeys out <laughs> uh, for Thanksgiving. <laughs> And but you can your whole life can be rapping about drugs and yes. and and what you're gonna do to women and all this type of stuff and give turkeys out on one day mm-hmm. and all of a sudden you can get a street name after you in Memphis. So, but the reverse side is you can you could be not a part of none of that negative stuff. You could be adopting families, doing all of this stuff, and the city won't show you that type of love. That's true. Yeah. And so, um, for our for us. Uh, being able to assemble kids and being able to have our prosperity is being able to assemble uh, kids uh, together to be able for people to see the value of what we're doing because we survive because uh, trusting God on a daily on a day to day basis and so with that the prosperity for us is being if we we may apply for certain grants and that's a whole another thing with the racial because because when you guys are talking about the, in the bud section about the racism that's real right and so when you're trying to really come up is there's there's all these games that you have to play but mm-hmm. because we've been able to leap over that a guy told me uh one of our uh old mentors uh drake lee he told me he said god is going to catapult you over the politics and so he's done that and so now we're at a point now we can't uh, say who he is right now, but there's a guy who's come out of retirement that had to do with developing a FedEx form, that had to deal with uh, doing the Bass Pro Shops. He's now come along us, come wow. alongside of us as of wow. yesterday. That's great. That's and mm-hmm. they told us they said we can. They uh, one one uh, lady told us said we can get write y'all a check for five to ten million dollars now. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what? <laughs> and, so, and so they were saying, but we have to get you guys a uh, shovel ready, you know, which uh, ready to break the ground, you know, mm-hmm. uh, for the center. And so the prosperity for us has come in, in those in those two aspects, um, relationship capital, you know, um, mm-hmm. being able to, to connect to the right people right. for the right time, the right season. And then now the financial doors are being open to where yeah. we're going to be to a point like we see now. We will. We give uh, every tour that we do in the schools. We're giving away money. You know, we'll bring up bring a kid up out of the audience. We'll bring a, a teacher up out of the audience and say, "Look, you're gonna take yourself to dinner." Or we'll have an R&B singer to come and sing to, you know, the lady in the, in the audience, the school teacher. You know, and uh, all of a sudden she's hooked up for for a hundred dollars or whatever, and it happens. But I notice every time we sow on those seeds, I'll get it back two times. Fold. You know, I'll get mm-hmm. it back two times. And so that's been our, our uh, it's been relationship capital and the setup for what's about to happen uh, financially. So that's been our areas of prosperity now. Yeah. Oh, that relationship capital is extremely important. Um, I always tell the kids, it's, yeah, you can know a lot of things, but you have to connect with people because we need people, other people to get, to get, make the dream work. With teamworks, make the dream work. Yeah. And don't, and don't disrespect. That's another thing people need to learn too. Don't treat people bad. You yeah. Know, if you, mm-hmm. I don't care who they are. Do not disrespect and treat people bad because later on down the line, it's it's people now. Uh, when we talk about their relationship capital, it's people now that years ago they weren't in the position that they're in now. And if I would have did something to them or dogged them out in that stage of their life, they could have literally harvested that hatred or whatever or that bad experience with me mm-hmm. in their mind and now I'm trying to go through this door but mm-hmm. they're the gatekeeper mm-hmm. and so a lot of times you know you have to really watch how you treat people you know uh, what they say um, you got to treat the uh, the janitor just like the CEO yeah <laughs> that's true yep. yeah it's true exactly well Liddell man we have come to the <laughs> segment of our show that we like to do called pick one um, so I'm gonna start it off um, I'm a big music fan. I'm a big fan of a lot of things, sports, a lot of things. But I want to know, mint condition, pretty brown eyes, oh, or <laughs> boys to men on bending knee? Oh, now, my God. Both, both, both of them are classics, <laughs> and I like both of them. But as far as for me, I, I, I got to go with pretty brown eyes. I remember it like it was yesterday. <laughs> When it came out, 
But <laughs> what, what, would, what, what, pick one. Which one would you go with, man? I'm rolling with you. When, when pretty brown eyes person. I know uh, what you're looking at, too. Uh, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm going with um, mid condition. Yep. Okay, so I'm going to go with mid condition. <laughs> you know, um, with me having brown eyes and everything, <laughs> that song has been sung to me a number of times. A number. <laughs> so, yes. Uh-oh. Yes. Uh-oh. Yes, I'm going to go with that one. Okay. Yes, that's it. Well, that's consensus. Pretty brown <laughs> eyes. Now, on bending knees, a good one, but pretty brown eyes is Stokely. I'm a huge fan of mid condition and Stokely, and it's just, uh, yeah, that's a classic. That's forever a classic, man. Wow. So, go to like restaurants, and uh, I'm going to go to something. Not that I do just a whole lot of fast food anymore, (laughs) but I would be interested to know pick one. McDonald's or Burger King? Burger King. But you know, I had an interesting experience at McDonald's yesterday. <laughs> it was it was good. It was really good. They said, make sure I had what I order, and then they said, have a blessed day. I'm like, wow. Wow. That, yeah, no. <laughs> wow, but I'm going Burger King. I like Burger King. That food better. Would have helped make up for Tamika's experience with McDonald's, which is getting some water. Yeah, know? these he's I was so shocked. It, 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 it caused me to pause when he said, I'm like, wow, I'm gonna have a blessed day because you just said it. But yeah, Burger King, anyway, though. I'm I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go with Burger King. I had a bad experience with McDonald's when I was 16. I never ate McDonald's again. Wow, because it was a I was in South Memphis and I was at getting ready to order the, the sandwich and uh, getting ready to order, um. I think it was a quarter pounder back then. And I look over, and it's a rat with hips hopping on a rock. And first of all, a rat shouldn't have hips. And so I'm looking at So I get to the window, and I tell Les, I said, ma'am, I said, you got, got a rat back here with hips. <laughs> they see hey. The lady said, well... Uh, it came across the street from Church's Chicken. I was like, no. Oh, <laughs> no. no. And, and I'm telling you, I had a phobia. Even when I, my, uh, Marlo Jones, he was in the car with me. I said, man, he said, you going to eat your hand? I said, I'm not going to eat. He said, man, I said, look, can you? I said, look in the oh, back seat and see if it's a rat back there. He said, I'm not looking back there. And, then, and I'm like, <laughs> both of us were buzzed out. We were freaked out. But from then, I never ate McDonald's again. I, I ate the quarter pounder because he, he forced me to. But I was sick the whole weekend when we went to our uh, Junior Academy of Science trip. And since then, I've never eaten McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> I can't say I've had that type of experience at McDonald's. I can't say no that. No rest you have hips. I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh, my God. I don't, I, I don't eat either one anymore. But when I did, I, I would probably have to go with uh, with, with Burger King. <laughs> but I don't, I don't eat really no fast food anymore. Uh you know, every blue moon, if I decide to get a turkey burger that I don't fix myself, I might go to um, a backyard. Oh, but yeah, far as like the the McDonald's, the Wendy's, the Burger King, a few years back, I just I kind of mm. cut I cut that out. You know, so, Me, but seeing a rat with hips, uh, just a rat period. <laughs> uh, you know, and then for them to, to to blame it on churches, I'm like, oh, they go to they go to they, they go to beef. <laughs> Uh, 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 that's from churches now. Like, okay. It's open it's on, your, on your parking lot, though. Oh, goodness. Yeah, so. so back in the day, I used to, uh, I would have probably said McDonald's after hearing what you just said. Uh, yeah, my choice would be Burger King. Cause I can't, I can't even, I can't even say it in good faith anymore. <laughs> All right. So we had music, food, and, um. Well, those two things you can we can go with movies now. You can have your food while you watch the movies, and you got movie soundtracks. So let's see, Boomerang or a thin line between love and hate. Uh, <laughs> y'all already breathing hard. Like what's going listen, on? <laughs> let me tell you, I like both movies, but um, I, back in the day, I was a huge Eddie Murphy fan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just, phew, yeah. But um, 
I would say Boomerang. Plus, that was hilarious <laughs> to me. It was just hilarious from uh, Witherspoon to uh, David Allen Greer, just hilarious. Martin Lawrence, just yeah. a great cast, funny yeah. movie. I'm going with Boomerang. Um, yeah. I'm a fan of both of them, and so this is really hard <laughs> for me because, I mean, I am. I'm, I'm, a big, I'm a huge Eddie Murphy fan, and I'm a huge Martin fan. Um if I have to give the edge to one, just because of the era and the time it came out, uh, I would have to give a slight edge to Boomerang. Um, definitely the soundtrack. Boomerang mm-hmm. soundtrack is forever classic. I promise. But, um, yeah, just the whole Tisha Campbell scene in the movie. Yeah. And, <laughs> um, the, you know, oh, yeah. Uh, the, you know, and then how, you know, the Robin Gibbons scene when he was waiting up for it in, in New Orleans oh, and she came to the door and, and he was like, hold up, hold up. I'm not that mad. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, uh, Boomerang, I would give the slight edge, but I have, I do like the thin line though, but I would give a slight edge to Boomerang. Both the great Yeah, ladies. I'm going Boomerang too. Yeah, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm with you guys. Boomerang, uh, Tony Braxton. I, Love should have bought you home yeah, last yeah, night. Yes. That, that, yeah. that, 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 that right there, that just that song right there, I was like, yeah, I'll go with that. Even that scene right <laughs> that there. Scene, yes. Yes. Love should have brought <laughs> you home last night. She yeah. she played that little scene. That scene. It was a little big scene. But she played it, yeah. So those are forever classics. <laughs> forever classics. Yeah. So now we have the segment of the show where, you know, Steve Harvey has the strawberry letter. But here on Cap, we have what we call the what? The banana, banana peel. peel. Where we feel peel back the layer of that banana. So our banana peel for today is. Okay. So my boyfriend of one year surprised me and proposed two weeks ago. I love him. There are some things we need to work on seriously. So I declined and said I'm not ready. Lately, he has been distant and things have changed. Should I assume it's over? And this is from Mercedes in Nashville, Tennessee. Mm. Okay, Mercedes, uh, I'm I'm a pretty positive person, but we're gonna go ahead and pull the Band-Aid off this joint. (laughs) Um, It's a strong possibility that it could be. Um, Usually when a man decides to make that commitment, Mm. Um, that's something serious. Like, you know, now we, you saying you all have some things you need to seriously work on. I get that. Uh, but usually when a man decides to forsake all, all these other women mm-hmm. and mm. propose to you, that is something big for the most part, especially yeah. if it's in the, you know, you, his heart is in the right manner. It's not something about you got to trust he's trying to get to or some stuff like that. <laughs> you know? So, yeah. you know, maybe you need to talk to him, of course, some communication there to, to see, tell him, you know, expound on the reason why. And if you do see a future with you all, but if if you don't, and and he's become distant. That is a telltale sign that bruh has probably checked out the building. Mm. <laughs> but I could be wrong. <laughs> but I'm just saying. Yeah, I, I yeah, I'm agreeing with you, Jerry. I'm like, that's a huge step uh, for a man to do. Like you said, to forsake all others and choose this one woman. Uh, that's a huge step. So um, if he'll do. Even if they, you know, they do need to have the conversation, like, what is she saying that needs to be worked on? But who's to say, even if they talk about it, he's going to X again. Like, that's, yeah. yeah. I do just, I just think she does need to say what the things need to be worked on to even give the opportunity for them to have that discussion and maybe work things out if, if he's open to it. I agree. A communication, there has to be a communication going on um, to see what other things that we need to work on or that you need to work on, rather. But um, in my experience with a lot of guys, I'm kind of like with what Jerry said. If he's starting to become distant, it's safe to assume that he's probably getting Check closer out. and closer to that route. He's, check, he's, he's checking it out. out. Yeah. 
Wow. Damn. I, I, I agree with Jerry, too. I'm like, <laughs> you put the jetpack on. <laughs> because, that, because that does take a lot of uh, emotional energy, you know, to actually get to that point where you made up your mind that this is what I'm, I'm going to do. And plus, you got to think about, you know, the, um, the ratio of how many women it is to one man. And for him to say, forget all them other ones. I want you, and uh, and when that happens, that that really and that that just probably crushed him a little bit, right? You know, uh, really, really broke him a little bit. And so with that, you know, when you break a man's heart like that, at that point, right. it's gonna be, yeah, it's it's, it's hard to recover. Yeah, yeah the, the, the way we handle things <laughs> as men as opposed to women, it's it's just what it is. It's totally different. And then also, we don't know that. Did he propose in the confinements of a, a lot of people around, oh, or ooh. you know, or whatever oh, the case? Ooh. She didn't say that. I, I mean, you know what I'm saying so. <laughs> you know, and it could have been even if it was private, just the form, just the fact of it being rejected at that yeah. time. They've yeah. been together a year, so some people may say a year's not that long, but a year's longer than six months. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. and pretty much, you know, depending on the man, we kind of know after a certain period of time. You know, the good and bad of this woman, do we want to commit our life with them or whatnot? But the confinements of it, whether it was privately, but definitely if it was out in the open where there's friends and stuff, now you got to pick your face up and be like, yeah, so, you know, uh, but hopefully, Mercedes, you all have that conversation. uh, And so you can know uh, and tell him why, you know, if you didn't already and not just kind of generically that we need to work on things like what is it specifically, mm-hmm. and, and that and if you really see yourself wanting to be his wife, and maybe that can help. But if not, um, yeah, you know they they pretty much you know what I'm saying uh, like another mint condition song. Nothing left to say. Uh oh. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Okay. Yes sir. <laughs> yes sir. Oh. Wow. Down on bending knee. Uh, listen, said no. To, <laughs> to all our viewers, make sure that you send your banana peel questions to the cap podcast three at gmail.com. And also don't forget to click on that link right now as you're watching. Ooh, click right, on that link right, right now. Down. Right now. Not now, but Sus- right now. Right now. <laughs> subscribe. <laughs> subscribe, subscribe. All right. So now we have our moment where we each give our little tip we have our brain drop our detour moment then with me you have the forget all that moment and so today's forget all that moment is about when you are rejected um from this significant other and then you get back into the dating world um a lot of times when you're rejected by someone you may think you need to change yourself in order to be accepted by the next person but i would say do not sacrifice yourself do not sacrifice yourself for anybody because you are you for a reason and there is somebody that's going to accept you all of you so be Mm. you because you are you for a reason that's good Mm. that's good i like that thank you (laughs) (laughs) um for a detours moment i would like to i would like to say something from my book from detours to destiny that i have been working on and it just gives a little piece of me. Um, I was, a few years ago, I was at this point, did not have a job, you know, looking for jobs. It's hard to find work and everything. So I guess you could say I hit my own detour. Didn't know what else to do. And I've had these, I had had these visions of things that I wanted to do in life, doing a play, doing a conference. And rather than stay stuck in my detour, I chose to take that moment and I felt like God was speaking to me to go ahead and do this. And with a dream that I had had in me for like 14 years, I started Ephesians 6 Productions mm. with uh, launching Manifest Conference. But the thing about that is from that thing skyrocketed. I had been, I've had, I've had moments where I had low self-esteem, uh, didn't have a lot of self-confidence, didn't really feel like I could do a whole lot myself. But it's like after that, I knew this was my element. I knew this is what I was called to. And I stepped into that 
rather than to stay in my detour. So I say all of that to say, if you're going to go from detours to destiny, you got to step out the box. you got to mm-hmm. put all that other stuff on hold. Anything that is like left you with insecurities, um, find your peace, find your inner peace first, and then step out the box. And that's the only way you're going to be able to move to destiny but not if you stay stuck in the detour. Mm. That's good. Step out the box. Very powerful yeah. words from both Shamel and Erica. So now the brain drop moment. Um, I'm going to simplify it for you. There's no risk, no reward. I'm going to say it again. No risk, like no reward. Um, basically, you know, anything you're trying to do in this life, you have to step out not only on faith, but there's a certain level of risk you're going to have to take in order to achieve something you've never done. Uh, and the risk could be leaving, maybe leaving behind family for a moment, um, making a move to a different city, changing careers, starting your business, or just doing whatever it is that God is putting you that you feel close to, but everybody else may not see. Um, You've got to tune out all the noise of doubters, even your own self-doubt, which will come about. But for those who have ever been successful in any form of any type of form or fashion, not only just financially, but just overall, they had to take a risk. Um, so it used to be a show that I used to like watching uh, called Fear Factor. Mm-hmm. You have to overcome your fear, take that risk, um, in order to receive the reward that God has for you. So just remember, no risk, no reward. Before we um, leave, I just want to say thank you again to Liddell Beeman. For thank you for thank coming, you. bro. It was good having it you here, man. Um, can you tell us, Liddell, what is the way to get in contact with you on social media or email, especially even if you want to donate to help with the Hero Empowerment Center? Awesome. Um, you can uh, all of our social media handles uh, are on um, our website uh, hthmemphis.org. I don't know if we use a www anymore, but uh, hthmemphis.org uh, and all of our uh, social media handles are on there. And um, just thank you guys, you know, for most definitely having us. And just uh, I'm, I'm I feel good now. I need a cap <laughs> T-shirt or something. I feel good. <laughs> You've been capped. Yeah. <laughs> well, we want to thank everybody for tuning in on another episode of CAP. Remember to send in your banana peel questions to the CAP Podcast 3 at gmail.com. Not only look at it and like, but subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Yes. Share yes. with others. Um, and definitely, until the next time we see you all, remember to cultivate, accumulate, and prosper. See y'all Bye. later. See y'all later. <laughs>